Welcome to Where We Land, a podcast that explores the relationship between Christ's culture and the church. Hey friends, welcome to the podcast. My name is Aaron, and I'm joined here in the Where We Land studio with my co-host, Tim Reagan. With a bonus episode, Bonus episode, part two. Part two of Books That Shaped Us. Man, this has been a really good conversation. Man. And we found it was just so long that it was just better to go ahead and separate into two bite-sized episodes. So if you've missed the previous conversation, you're really kind of jumping in today in the middle of a conversation. So if you're just now finding this, we would like for you to push pause, go back and listen to the previous episode of part one of Books That Shaped Us, and then you'll roll right in uh, to the conversation today. Yeah, but I'm so excited for the continuation of the conversation of Books That Shaped Us and the landing guide that comes out today that pairs with both episodes. You're going to have access to 30 of the top books that shaped Tim and I. And uh, so it's going to be a wealth of information and you can find that. We'll tell you how to do that at the very end of the episode today. Well, I have no neat segue. No segue. <laughs> so the, our, our, our luck has finally run out. So um, my fourth book, I think you can read in two hours. Uh, and, and that is not because it's, it's a speed read or that it's that, uh, easy of a read, but it's that engaging. So the book is called between heaven and hell by Dr. Peter Kraft. This really intrigued me when I saw the title, cause I hadn't read it, but I was like, <laughs> man, this book sounds interesting. So, uh, C.S. Lewis, JFK and Aldous Huxley, who wrote brave new world all died within hours of each other on the same exact day. Mm. Okay. Dr. Kreft takes that premise, the fact that C.S. Lewis, JFK, and Aldous Huxley all died within a few hours of each other and creates a posthumous trialogue between the three of them in an imaginary space between heaven and hell Mm. where they meet up after death in this sort of in-between space and they have an apologetic conversation about the meaning of life and how do you get to heaven? How interesting. It is fascinating. And so this book is what introduced me to C.S. Lewis's um, great trilemma, um, Ot Deus Ad Hamas Malus, mm-hmm. either God or a bad man. The approach to who is Jesus, liar, Lord, lunatic. And this book is written in the format of a of a dialogue. So it's written, it looks like a, a, a script for a play. It is not divided into paragraphs and, and sentences. It, it literally will say Kennedy, Lewis, Huxley at mm. the front with, with a colon afterwards and then their lines as okay. if it were a play. Okay. And because of that, it, it is a really fast read, even though it is very deep because each of those men represents a different uh, philosophy of life. Yeah. 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 So, so JFK nominally Christian as, as a nominal Catholic Lewis as a, uh, a believer and Huxley representing um, Eastern mysticism. Uh, Cause he, he kind of came from that framework though. He was a, though, though he was not naturally from that area that that's the philosophy of life that he came from. Okay. And, and so they go back and forth deciding how, how do you get right with God? 
and Lewis in defense of Christianity and especially in defense of the person and work of Jesus Christ, um, argues incredibly. I mean, it, it sounds like Lewis. I was going to say, so how much of this is like direct quotes from them versus like his rendition of what he's. So almost all of Kreft's books are written like this. And which is why a lot of his books appear on my list because I enjoy this style of writing. And I think he has the ability to capture people's voices because he is such an expert philosopher and communicator himself. He's uh, he, he's the, the Dean of, of, of uh, philosophy at Boston college. And uh, he's written 80 plus books. He's just a prolific writer and an, an immensely talented communicator. And it, and it just is an expert on everything Tolkien and Lewis. Mm. And so when he writes as Tolkien or as Lewis in his books, which he does often, he nails it. And if you've read Lewis, which I've read a lot of Lewis and I love everything Lewis, he sounds like Lewis. It's so bizarre. I can't uh. believe it. So he mixes in some quotes but a lot of it is is his version of Lewis, and he just nails it. It's so incredible. I've actually seen some YouTube videos where some people have taken the book and turned it into a stage play because oh, it, it, that'd be neat. Oh man, it'd be so cool to to watch that. I'd I'd watch that. Um, but uh, it is such an engaging read, and it's great for growing your apologetic in in talking with either one of these opposing philosophies a western sort of humanistic philosophy or an eastern mystic philosophy if you're in that kind of apologetic um discussion uh this book actually really helps you and gives you a lot of good talking points without having to read a very heady exactly because you're just reading a conversation you're just listening in on a conversation it's so good. I've read it multiple times. Again, I've given this one away a bunch. It's so, so strong. Interesting. That is definitely one I'm going to have to pick up and uh, read because I'm an intrigued extra, by it right now. I may have an extra copy laying around. Do if you I really? have one, okay. I'll, I'll, if I have one, I'll bring it to you. Okay. Yeah. Now, now, how big of a book is it? Um, we didn't really say that, but... Man, I forget the number of pages, but I remember that... You said it could be read quick. I read it in two hours at one point because oh, I read. I decided to read it cover to cover one time, and I think I got it done in two hours. Now, that was not my first read. The first read, you go slower because you take notes and you process. But this is my second, third, fourth read. I'm not sure which which it was, but I was able to get through it, just power through it in like two hours. Not speed reading, just because it's that engaging. So I can't remember. It's somewhere between like, depending on which copy you get, it's somewhere between like 130 and 200 pages. Yeah, it's not a big book. But dude, you can power through it. It's so good. So are you going to tell us the end of it or do we just have to go pick up a copy? No, you got to go. No, 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 no. You got to go get, you got to go pick up. the. All right. So the title of the book again is Between Heaven and Hell. Yes. Between Heaven and Hell by Peter Kreft. That's K-R-E-E-F-T. All right. Well, there is definitely no segue into my number four from that because we're about a world away. Uh, But, and, and this is the only book that made it into my top five that is not, uh, somewhat, I guess, with a biblical perspective or a, uh, a Bible framework uh, with it. But um, man, have you ever read Getting Things Done by David Allen? I have not read so Getting Things Done. I, I'm not sure if it just made it into my top five because I read it within a year ago and it's like really fresh. But um, once again, like when we're thinking about books that have shaped us, um, I don't think there is a book that I have read that has more profoundly shaped the way that I do things than maybe this book. Wow. Um, I, I mean, I can tell cause I'm looking at you holding your copy 
And you've got sticky notes. You've sticky. You've sticky, look, you've sticky noted like that thing this to and death. Look at the man. highlights and notes. Highlights and dog ears and notes and sticky notes. I mean, yeah, yeah I, I believe that this thing has shaped you because you have shaped the physical form of that book. <laughs> <laughs> so, so here's here's where I found this book. Um, I, I I'm sure I was recommended it by somebody. Um, just like you, there was a, a couple years ago. I went through kind of this time in my life where like my focus for the year was just on like uh, productivity and becoming better with time management. And I just found that I was like just feeling overwhelmed and engulfed with just the pace of life. Mm -hmm. And um, I just, I just found myself like, and I didn't know what it was. I didn't know if, you know, we had, it was shortly after my, my you know, my wife and I had our first kid and I was like, mm. man, is it just the fact that That'll now, do like, it. <laughs> that, that is like forcing me into reality a little bit, but there was just a whole bunch of other things that were just going on in my personal life and ministry. And I just truly, man, I just felt overwhelmed. I just mm. felt incredibly like stretched thin. And I was like, what's going on? Like, is there less time in the world? Is it my own like bad habits? And um, but I was like, you know, I would have thought honestly, before I kind of entered into that journey, I would have told people that I was like a very organized, uh, productive person. And mm. I, and I still really do kind of think maybe that's how I'm kind of wired, but this book has really helped me. And I, I guess, um, the easiest way is just to give you a little, uh, snippet of the book. Um, um, basically on page three, he kind of, uh, overviews uh, a new reality. He says, uh, the methods I present in this book are based on two key objectives. Number one is capturing all the things that you need to get done. And then secondly is disciplining yourself to make front end decisions about all the inputs mm. that uh, led into your life so that there will always be a plan for next actions. And you know what, what I took away from this book is that um, he, he makes this statement. I'm going to read it on page 12 because, you know, oftentimes when people are looking for something to better their life or to help in their productivity, they're always looking for a, a method or like a, um, something they're like, okay, just tell me the one, two, three things, and then it'll change my life. Right. Yeah. What I love about this book is he actually does give you some one, two, three things, hmm. but it's based on a far deeper, um, understanding of reality. And so he, he says in page 12, he says a basic truism I have discovered over 20 years of coaching and training is that most of the stressed people experience the most of the stress that people experience come from inappropriately managed commitments. He refers mm. to them as open loops. And mm. so he unpacks the book in that perspective and, um, and, and as he ends the book, I'll kind of give you kind of like his framework of how he ends it on page 226 near the very end. He's talking about where do those not so good feelings come from? The feelings that we feel overwhelmed and we're stretched too thin. Mm. He says this, he says, he says, is, is there too much to do? No, there's always too much to do. If you felt bad simply because there was more to do than you could, you'd never get rid of that feeling. Mm. Having too much to do is not the source of negative feelings. It comes from a different mm -hmm. place. And what he discovers and what he shares in the book is that the reason you feel bad about feeling overwhelmed and stressed is because you've made too many agreements, right? Mm. Uh, he's like, how have you felt when you broke an agreement uh, with, with someone, right? And they told you you were supposed to meet them 
at a certain day in a certain place, but they never showed up and they never called. How would you feel? You'd feel incredibly frustrated, mm. right? And he's he goes on in the book to talk about you know the price that people pay when they break engagements uh, in the world. And so he's like, ultimately, everything that ends up on your to-do list or even in your mental to-do list that's never made it on paper is an open loop of a commitment that mm. you have made with yourself, right? Yeah. And so the whole book is helping people manage those loops, manage mm. those commitments of either you need to not make the agreement or you need to complete the agreement. And how are you going to do that? Or how are you going to re uh, negotiate the agreement? So, mm. um, I, I mean, I, I, I came across the book and it was one of those books that I read once I was captivated by it, but I found I had to go back and read it. I'm, I've read it now three times through, maybe I'm on my fourth time through. And, um, I, I'm, every time I reread it, I'm, I'm getting a little bit better understanding mm. of how he thinks about decisions. Right. Yeah. Cause he, cause you, cause you've never read this book, right? Right. Yeah. So he gives this, I'm going to show Tim this diagram. Uh, right? this I love from, a good chart, man. This is a chart, right? But the whole chart on this is how do you process stuff? And it's all, I mean, this way of thinking through something that you get in your in basket or whether you get. You know, the thing that helped me in this book is that we're constantly receiving information yeah. uh, through a whole different a, a number of platforms, whether that's email or our phone mm. or paper yep. or our mailbox mm. or information with a conversation. We're constantly being bombarded with information. And part of the problem, I think, in the 21st century is that people are given all these new uh, avenues for technology or apps and I mean, which are so great and helpful, mm. but we really don't know how to manage it. Yeah. Like we don't know how to manage it well. Yeah, for sure. And so, so then we just feel swamped in yeah. this inbox of stuff that's coming at us. And then we end up making commitments to things that we should have never committed to. Yeah. But, but we do, and so then it begins to weigh us down. And so, honestly, this whole book of getting things done, it was a great book. I would highly recommend it to you. But it's been more of a journey for me than anything of just growing in my personal time management and the way that I process information. And, man, I mean, after I've begun to put some of these things into practice, it has just, like I said, it, it, it's really changed my life and how I how I think about some things. So if you're struggling and you're feeling overwhelmed, um, I would highly recommend to you, David Allen's getting things done. Hmm. That's good. That's really good, man. I, 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 the chart alone is worth it. It's, 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 yeah. Yeah. And, and actually, if you want to look it up, just look up getting things done chart, Google that and you'll see what I'm talking about. And yeah. It'll give you a little it's, bit of it. that. That was really good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that's the first time I'd seen that, but I was like, Oh man, I got to get that. Yeah. yeah and it's awesome. not like most time management books, you know, like mm -hmm. a lot of time management books I've read are all about the process and they're like, yeah. you better commit <laughs> to my way of doing things. Right. His is a little bit different. He's like, I don't really care what system you use, whether yeah. you're going to go digital or paper or whatever. He's like, it's more of a framework for how you think mm -hmm. about uh, information and commitments that you make with yourself. Yeah. And then how do you process that in a way that is, you know, you're, you're finding freedom, hmm. um, in, you know, margin. I, you know, I guess an easy way to think about this is a couple months ago, I took a sabbatical hmm. on sabbatical and actually coming back from sabbatical. I think my thought going into sabbatical would have been, 
in order to experience a more meaningful, deeper life, it's by accomplishing more things, right? Hmm. And, you know, if, if you, if you completed more things or if you were more successful or whatever, you know, we all have different metrics for how we value life. I think after coming out of a season of sabbatical, I think it's changed my perspective of thinking, um, it's not about what we're going to accomplish as much as, um, it's far more about what we value Hmm. And uh, what is meaningful to mm-hmm. us in life based off of, you know, our own uh, personality or, you know, based off of the word of God. I mean, there's, there's, there's the values in our life and it's, and it's, and once again, it's, it's making time to actually do and experience what you really value. And too often, too many people are just controlled and they're reactive uh, to just the flood of information that's coming at them. And, and we just find ourselves just playing this rat race of, Mm. um, going through life. And it's Mm. like, well, wait a minute, why don't you take a minute to think about the horizon of your life? And that's what he does in this book. Think about the horizon of your life and what you really value and what you're going after. Mm. And then how are you going to structure your life in a way that enables you uh, to really go after those things. And it's just been good, man. That's good. Highly recommend it. That's good. Well, again, no segue, no segue. Cause (laughs) we're just like bouncing right back. But, uh, number five for me, um, one that you're familiar with. It's a good uh, one. And, and you said, you're like, man, I was surprised that made it onto your, to your top five. Was it college when you first got, because was, college was when I was exposed yeah, to it. Yeah. I mean, like the first month of college for me, I was introduced to this book called the Gospel Primer or the Gospel Primer, uh, depending on how you want to say it. But um, uh, the Gospel Primer by, by Milton Vincent. And it looks like it was written by a Puritan yeah, <laughs> and true. it almost sounds like it is at times, right. but it's, it is a newer book, but man, I remember picking this up early at college for just a couple bucks, like at the college bookstore, like not much at all. And I read it devotionally because it, it's, it's an odd read. It's full of footnotes mm-hmm. on every page, which the footnotes are very helpful because it guides you to the scriptures and it guides you to some specific definitions. So it, um, it, it, it uncomplicates some, some, some theological language. Um, and, and so the only reason that it's my number five in terms of the readability is because the pages are so often cut short by footnotes. Uh, it's not divided into chapters. It's divided by headings. The headings don't always flow nicely together. And then it's, it's, it's rewritten in the same book. Uh, it, it takes the, 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 the prose version of how it's written. And in the back of the book, it's the same information written poetically. Um, and so it's very, very interesting. That is cool. Yeah, I do like that part of that book. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's a very engaging read, um, though it's a little bit choppy, uh, but it can be read devotionally, especially it's good. It's good in that, in that way to be used in that way, but it's almost like a good prayer primer. It really I is. Found. When I read it, yeah. it was like, it's one of those things you would like read through something and then be able to like devotionally meditate on that and pray it. Yeah. And, and, and I'll just tell you that the section that continues to speak the most to me is, is one of the quotes that I found online that is like one of the featured quotes. And, and it says this on the most basic levels. I desire fullness. 
and fleshly lusts seduce me by attaching themselves to this basic desire, the desire for fullness. They exploit all the empty spaces in me, and they promise that fullness will be mine if I will just give in to their demands. When my soul sits empty and is aching for something to fill it, such deceptive promises are extremely difficult to resist. But indeed, as I perpetually feast on Christ and all of his blessings found in the gospel, I find that my hunger for sin diminishes and the lies of lust simply lose their appeal. Hence, to the degree that I am full, I am free. Eyes, it's so good, right? It's very good. And he says, eyes do not rove, nor do fleshly lusts rule when the heart is fat with the love of Jesus. I mean, here's another book. I've given it away a ton. There's a mini book version as well that you can only get from the author uh, at, at his website. Um, but there's a mini book version, but, but honestly the full length book is not that long anyway. And, and it's not, I was going to say, I don't know which expensive. one I have because I think the one I have is very thin. Yeah. You, you have the full length, okay. but there's even okay. like a mini where it's like maybe 30 pages or something. Okay. Yeah. It's like a really brief summary. Um, but, uh, the full length book is not long. Um, the, uh, a book that I have written all over, highlighted all over dog-eared like crazy, and I've given it away a ton. It, it is one of those books that. If you are not familiar with the centrality of the gospel, not just for salvation, but the centrality of the gospel for your sanctification and for your daily absorption into Christ as, as, a, as a believer, this book uh, will just will, will blow your mind and, and will so enrich your soul and encourage you. So Gospel Primer by Milton Vincent. I love it. Number five for me. And you just perfectly segued into oh, nice. my love very it. last number love five. It. Okay, so my number five book for me, and I was telling Tim, like, as we were preparing for this, I was like, I don't really care which book ends up getting in the top five, but it's probably more of the <laughs> author right. than the good book. But, but, but then I took time to work through every book and look over what I had, and I thought, okay, for sure this was the one that shaped me the most. Um, it is The Discipline of Grace by Jerry Bridges. Mm. You've read Br- yes. some of Bridges' works. Yeah. Um, if you've never read a book by Jerry Bridges, just go yeah. buy one. Yeah. I, don't, I, mean, yeah. I don't know how to say that. They're, they're all great. <laughs> um, but this one is God's role and our role in the pursuit of holiness. Um, I'm trying to remember, Jerry Bridges just passed away a few years ago. Yeah, I think not And long. I think the history, I think he was with the Navigators for a number of years. Um, but he writes in such a really just, I mean, he's just an easy read. Wouldn't yeah. you agree? Yeah. Um, but deep truths, right? So easy yes. read with deep truths and, uh, the discipline of grace is really good because he wrote a couple books one of his first books was the pursuit of holiness. Yep. And then I think he wrote uh, transforming grace. Mm-hmm. And then this book actually came out like 15, 20 years after he wrote both of those, which is kind of a combination of the two, which is why I really like it. Uh, But he says on page 11, he says, if we try to change ourselves, we take what we think are the tools of spiritual transformation into our own hands and try to sculpt ourselves into robust Christ-like specimens. But spiritual transformation is primarily the work of the Holy Spirit. He is the master sculptor. Amen. And the whole book is really kind of how does the gospel of Jesus Christ impact our life on a daily basis? Mm. And, you know, this is something that I feel like a lot of Christians uh, find themselves learning phrases about um, 
right. sanctification yeah. and, and, and growth and Christ likeness and all of this. Yeah. But we really don't really, I think, have a full understanding. I think a lot of people don't have a full understanding of, of what, how, how does a Christian change, right? right. What is right. that process of transformation? Bridges is a tremendous author mm-hmm. unpacking uh, that process of transformation for the Christian. I, and the, the, the quote of the book is on page 19 where he makes the statement. He says, your worst days are never so bad that you're beyond the reach of God's grace. Amen. And your best days are never so good that you are beyond the need <laughs> of God's grace. Amen. And so the book is, is this beautiful picture of God's grace in yes. our life, but it is God's grace that, that we need to discipline ourselves in. And he does a, an excellent job working through a part of the letter to Romans and Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8, and just unpacking the Christian life and, and Christian transformation. So uh, Bridges, great book, Amen. The Discipline of Grace. You've read, have you yes. read this one in particular? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. but I'll just go on the record and say anything Bridges, if you want to get a copy, you'll be blessed. Well, and, and that segues to my bonus round, which is- Bonus round. Anything, on us. anything C.S. Lewis, get it, <laughs> read it, love it, live it. <laughs> Out of all Lewis, though, what what and, would be the one that you yeah. were like? Okay, I really. So my number my number six, the just the bonus round is mere Christianity. Okay, so that's a good ju- one. just because it's the, it's it's the it's the the the, the summa for him. Like mm-hmm. it's you know here's here's most of his thoughts kind of put in one place. Uh, mere Christianity, and I was introduced to it in high school uh, by my Bible teacher in high school, uh, A.C. Hollins, which was just awesome to be introduced to, to Lewis and specifically to mere Christianity in that way. And I've now returned to mere Christianity several times since, and then it led me down the path of reading as much Lewis as I could find basically. So Mm. Lewis is going to appear a lot on my list. That's going to be in the show notes, but mere Christianity, if you're just going to, if you're going to start with Lewis, start with mere Christianity and then go from there. And a lot of his other stuff will make a lot more sense, which you get that framework of Lewis through mere Christianity. And it's a really good audio read. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I've read it and listened to it. I feel like I retained more from mere Christianity, but th- I think that's just cause I'm an audible learner. Well, but ironically mere Christianity began as a series of radio lectures. That's true. Yeah, and that's so right. it does. It, 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 it is a good listen because that's how it started. It was actually turned into a book later, but because it started as a radio broadcast actually during the second world war, um, it, it, it really, serves as a great audiobook because that was its original format. Oh, that's so, good. That's good. Yeah. All right. So for my number six, I have two books, but I thought I could <laughs> do it because there are two volumes. All right. Um, I, 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 these had to make it oh, yeah. uh, on the no, podcast. I agree. All right. So, I agree. Yeah. um, this is the attributes of God by A.W. Tozer yeah. volume one, a journey into the father's heart and volume two deeper into the father's yeah. heart. I'll let you cheat for the sake of, of can I have Tozer on these? Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> All right. So, um, why I love it. Uh, if you've never read anything, Tozer, you need to read something, uh, that Tozer wrote. Yes. Um, but man, I, I seriously, apart from, uh, was it, wasn't it Tozer that said what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you? Yes. Wasn't mm-hmm. that a Tozer quote? Yeah. yeah. So he, you know, I, I mean, that, that is true. I mean, that statement he makes is true. Um, I think for a lot of people, um, th- we, people have a very weak understanding of who God is. Mm. And, you know, we can, we can understand, we, we can learn more about God when we read his word and we see this full picture 
of his personhood. However, I think what Tozer does so uh, magnificently in these books is he works through God's different attributes in kind of a singular form, Yes, right? So he goes through God's goodness, his justice, his mercy, his grace, yeah. and he takes a chapter on each one. He yeah. bases um, it on scriptures, um, but he he brings into focus, yes. I think, uh, just a portrait of who God is, very yes. simply. And so, like, once again, man... Any person can benefit from these books, Um, but certainly I would say like a new Christian or somebody that's just new to the Bible, because so much of our theology that goes wrong is because we have a warped or distorted view of who God is. And I think if people had a better understanding of who God is, um, it would change the way they lived. Yes. Those books are like reading a systematic theology, but it's more engaging and it's more applicable. Yeah, so totally. Be- so before you pick up a systematic theology, just go read Attributes of God 1 and 2. Um, that'll be way more formational and helpful than just picking up a systematic theology. Wow. And it that way. Well, man, this was a lot. I mean, it, it was good, but I think, um, I mean, I'm looking <laughs> yeah. at the time and I'm like, man, we're already an hour and seven <laughs> yeah. minutes. And if you stayed with us through the end of this episode, shout out to you. <laughs> And uh, we hope that this has been really helpful as you've listened to where we land on uh, some of the best books that have shaped us. But uh, man, we we would really love to hear from you of uh, some books that have shaped you. Yeah. And, uh, but... There was a whole bunch of books that actually didn't make it on the podcast today. Oh, yeah. But I think we have at least 15 each uh, that are going to (laughs) be on the show notes in our landing guide. And so if you've never done this... uh, in order to access a landing guide for the episode, you go to our website. It is uh, wherewelandorg There on the website, you'll find a link to landing guides. Click on that and then download uh, the PDF landing guide for today's episode. It'll include all of the books that we referenced on the podcast, as well as the notable mentions uh, yes. that that we wanted to share with you, but we did not have the time. And every one of those books will have a hyperlink to Amazon where you can go ahead and download one on your Kindle or purchase it. Uh, we hope that today's episode would kind of just springboard you yeah. uh, into deeper study as you join the journey with us on uh, on how how books and truth has shaped us. Amen. Amen. Anything else you'd add, Tim? Uh, man, I just... If you're gonna, if you're kind of debating on, you know, where to start, um, go back to early in the episode. I think uh, you can kind of hear uh, in our hearts kind of where we would recommend. So my starting point is going to be "Love Does" by Goff because of its readability. Uh, Aaron, where's your starting point? Oh man, I don't know. I know I, I'm pinning you down. I, I, I know. I, I don't know if I have one. Honestly, I think it would be the Bridges book. Good is where yeah, I, would, I, like I, would, I would direct people to because I think it's the simplest out of all the ones I have listed, and I think it uh, it's also like it's a wealth of information. Yeah, yep. like it's a great it's a it's a it's a gold mine. So there's our broke book buyer starting point. There it is. <laughs> there it is. So thanks for being with us today as we have had a conversation about the books that have shaped us, and we hope that this will springboard you into further and deeper study. Thank you for listening to Where We Land, Christ, Culture, and the Church. Hey, listen, if there's something we talked about on the show today that you would like to know more about, we would love to hear from you. So please reach out to us. You can find us on social media and on our website at wherewelandland.org. 
we would love to hear a book that has shaped you. And so uh, jump on one of those platforms and throw out uh, a notable mention of something that maybe Tim and I did not talk about on the show today, uh, but you would love for us to take a look at. We hope to have you join us here next time at Where We Land. We'll see you then.